Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good to see you this Sunday morning. This chilly Sunday morning. Woo wee! What a difference between last Sunday and this Sunday. But uh, feels a little bit more like winter. Now I'm ready for a little bit milder temperatures. Maybe you are too. But we sure need some rain. So we all pray, join together in praying to the Lord that He will send us some rain. Uh, we have high expectations in this new year. Do you know why? Because it doesn't matter who's in the halls of Congress. It doesn't matter who is on the Supreme Court. doesn't matter who the president is. Our God reigns. Uh, there's no election that can remove him from office. Um, there is no one greater than him that can take him down from his throne. So we can look this year, 2022, square in the eye and say, Jesus is on the throne. I have nothing to fear. So God, lead me in places uh, that I will be of the most service to you. And show me your glory. Amen. amen. That's not amen because I said it. It's an amen because it's true. Uh, a few announcements to make. Um, our business meeting is next Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. As is always the case, um, we have our meeting agenda posted on the bulletin board in the foyer. If there's any item uh, that you would need to get on the, the agenda, uh, just make sure and contact me before... Wednesday. Um, that's basically all the announcements I have. I think, Brooke, you have an announcement? Yes? Yes. If you are interested in helping with the spring semester or you're already teaching with us for our Wednesday night children's ministry, we're going to have a quick meeting next week at about 3, Sunday at 3. We're going to meet and discuss what we're going to be studying in uh, the spring. So, love to see y'all there. All right. Um, just to our fall semester, our kids went through um, a curriculum that was suited to their age that led them through the reading of the Pilgrim's Progress. And, and I, I really believe, from, based on what I've seen from the kiddos and even the teachers, that it was really a good time. Um, the kids, I think, really got into the story. They have their own copy of the Pilgrim's Progress. And um, so we've, I feel like spiritually... We've got some great momentum going into our spring semester. So if you're interested in doing that, please let Brooke know, and uh, we'll see you there next Sunday. Any other announcements? Anybody, anybody? Okay. Well, I do have one more announcement, but um, it's going to come through our call to worship. I'm going to read uh, some sections from Exodus 35. And, and I want you to know from the get-go, this is a call to worship. And, and it's a call to worship Almighty God who stirs the hearts of His people. Exodus 35. This is starting in verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, and the ephod for the breastplate. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat, and the veil of the screen. The table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence. The lampstand also for the light, with its utensils and its lamps. And the oil for the light, and the altar of incense with its poles, and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the altar of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its grate of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. I'm going to pause right there. You might have thought, that's a whole lot of boring detail, but I want you to listen to this. This is the work to which the Lord had called the people. 
This is the work to which the Lord had called the people to give. And listen what happens next. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for all the holy garments. So they came, both men and women. All who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linen or goat's hair or tanned ramskins or goatskins brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarn, uh, uh, yarns and fine twisted linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. And the leaders brought the onyx stones and the stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate. And spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. And all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord, for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Now if you skip forward to, I've lost where it is and I apologize for that. But there is, oh, it's in 36, verse 6. So Moses gave command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. Why? Because they had done more than enough that was required for the work. Our Lottie Moon offering was $6,500. And the Spirit of the Lord has stirred the heart of His people to bring more than what we set aside for the work. $10,168. Praise God that he has stirred the hearts of his people to give to the work of the Lord. Now that being said, I know the Lord told them to stop. I don't know that he's told us to stop yet. If you have not had a chance to give, we'll send it at the end of of January, and I encourage you to do so. But I'd like to do this, and I know that I'm taking too much time. Could we just sing the doxology? Don't even have to play it. Let's just sing it. Because I think the Lord is worthy of praise for what He has done in our church in this way. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Stand together.
1950-aught something, but great song. I think that's exactly what heaven's going to sound like, but way beyond words that we can even fathom, way beyond. And all the nations of all the earth are going to be crying that out to God. So let's sing this together. There is a children's room. Have y'all ever been scared? Me too, right? So I want y'all to um, think about this. So it's really dark and we're outside. It's, I mean, really dark. Like you put your hand right here and you can't see your face, right? And then there is a really, really loud noise. It's a big boom. And then suddenly the sky is lit up beautifully with these brightly colored lights. What is that? What does that make y'all think of? Some of you... Right, fireworks. So it's really dark, and then there's bright, pretty lights, right? So it's kind of scary, and then turned beautiful. Um, so Jesus tells us in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So when we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, Jesus shares his light with us. We all know that song, right? Um, Let your light shine. So we are going to take this flashlight. Okay, and if it was completely dark in here, and we had our flashlight, maybe I don't know how to work it, and we turn it on, um, we could see, right, because we're right here, but it might be hard for the people in the back to see, what if Eddie held this flashlight for me, and we put this 
bowl over it. Would we have any light if it was dark in here and we covered up our light? No. Then they really couldn't see in the back row, right? What if each and every one of us up here had a flashlight? Could the people in the back see better? They could, right? What if we walked back there or even halfway? Could the people in the back see better? Right. Okay. So in Matthew um, 5, did I miss one? 5, 15 through 16, it says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Okay, so you all remember that too. Praise your Father in heaven. We're going to come back to that. So Jesus calls us to share our light with others. The light that we have is from Christ. It's a reflection of his image. Sometimes all we have to do is be near someone, like when we walk closer to the back of the room so they can see better, right? But sometimes we have to do more than that. Sometimes we have to do something maybe a little scary and actually say something to them, like, did you know that God loves you? Okay. Um, so sometimes we do that and um, to let our light shine, to reflect God's image, some things that we could do would be sharing his word, the way that we act, maybe reading our Bible, and how we treat others, right? So let's think about the verse that we read at the end of Sunday service. Do you all remember that part of it? If Taylor was here, she could help me because she knows it. It says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what does that mean? We read that all the time. What does that mean? Do you all know? Maybe we should, what do you think? Right. So if we, if we follow Christ, we're not going to be in the darkness. But he also tells us, go and make disciples of all nations. So another word for disciples is like Christians. Okay, so he's saying, therefore go and make Christians of all nations. Um, so remember, though, that we don't actually make someone believe, but we do our part, like Jesus told us to, by letting our light shine, right, that he gave us, and sharing God's word with others, okay? Um, it's not to make our light shine brighter or look good or people to praise us. Remember when I said earlier, we're going to come back to this little bit, it says, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So it's to give God praise, right? Not to make us look good. So it can be scary to let our light shine bright and to share God's word with others. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, verse 20, that surely Jesus said, Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And in Isaiah, the Bible tells us, um, Do not fear, for I am with you. So we know that God is always with us, right? I think you're spot on, Kaisen. So, I know we talked about a lot of things. We had our light shining for everybody to see, right? We're not going to hide it. We're not going to put it under a bowl. And we're not going to be scared when it's time to let it shine, right? We're going to um, tell others about Christ, right? So, um, even though it's scary, something beautiful can come from all that, just like the fireworks. It was scary, and then the light shined, and it was very beautiful, right? And God's not going to leave us to do it on our own. He's never going to leave or forsake us, okay? I hope you all got that. So let your light shine and share God's word with everyone, okay? Because something very beautiful can come from it. All right, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for these children. Um, I ask you to let them, to help keep them to be brave and strong, to help them let their lights shine for you and that light that came from you. As we all know that something beautiful can come from it. I pray that you help them to be courageous and share your word with everyone so that others can come to know you, Lord, and that we do all this to bring you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 100. A psalm for giving thanks, making a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, 
and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. God, we come to you this morning. God, not because we have to have things our way and not because we have something to lay at your feet. But Jesus, because you have paid the full price for our salvation. And we can make a joyful noise of thanksgiving because you are good and your love endures forever. Jesus, we just confess to you this morning that we love you. And the times that our love for ourselves is stronger than our love for you, Father, forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we come this morning as your people together and we sing to you that we love you and we need you. We just need you to envelop the praises of your people and work in our hearts today. We beg you, Jesus. My Jesus, stay to sing this last verse and this is the gospel and if this doesn't get you excited oh my goodness let's sing this
say that to you today that we need you we don't need a good sermon we don't need good music we need you and so God we pray that you would show us yourself today in the name of Jesus Christ alone and all of God's people said would ask you to please take your copy of God's word turn to the book of Revelation book of Revelation Revelation chapter 1 uh, verses 4 through 8 if you did not bring this morning a copy of God's word with you I encourage you every Sunday to come walking through that door into this sanctuary with your copy of God's word Um, God's word is a gift to us and it's indispensable for our life Um, But if you did not bring one, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. If you'll turn to the back of that Bible, that's the New Testament, and find page 190, you'll be at Revelation 1. By way of introduction to this new sermon series that we're going to embark on, um, the name of the sermon series is simply this, and we sang it, My Jesus, I Love Thee. My Jesus, I love thee. We're going to take some time and stare at the second person of the Trinity. The one who was eternally the Son of God and became the incarnate Son and the crucified Son and the resurrected Son and the ascended Son and the coming back Son and the Son who sent His Spirit to be with with us. We're going to take a long look at Him. So that, and this is the goal of the whole series, so that when we sing, my Jesus, I love thee, more and more we sing it with sincerity. I want to begin with, it's sort of a long quote from John Owen, from his book, The Glory of Christ. And uh, this will help me to introduce why I believe, and I'm going to say this personally, I need what I'm preaching. I always need what I'm preaching. But at this stage in my Christian walk, I need this. Um, and I, I, I know that it will be edifying to you wherever you are on your Christian walk. But John Owen in his book, The Glory of Christ, says, Beholding the glory of Christ is one of the greatest privileges that believers are capable of in this world. Greatest that's ever, that is ever capable of in this world or even that which is to come. Now, when he says that's one of the greatest privileges, 
that gives me personal pause right there. Do I consider beholding the glory of Christ to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest privileges in this life and in the world to come for me? Indeed, it is by beholding the glory of Christ that believers are first gradually transformed into His image, then brought into the eternal enjoyment of it, because they shall be forever like Him, for they shall see Him as He is. Owen here says how important it is for us as Christians to behold the glory of Christ. He says that's the way that we're first gradually transformed into His image. If you want to become like something, you must look at it. If someone's going to learn how to shoot a basketball, um, they learn from someone who shows them what that looks like. He continues, and, and when I say he continues, talking about the, the beholding the glory of Christ. He says, on this, on beholding the glory of Christ, depend our present comforts. And future blessedness. This is the life. Sorry, this is kind of making noise and I apologize. The life and reward of our souls. Beholding the future glory of Christ is a present comfort to us. So that we see him in the midst of some of the most difficult circumstances that we undergo. What other than a look at Christ and in his glory can sustain us when times are hard. He says this, and this was so convicting to me. Many will say with confidence that they desire to be with Christ and to behold His glory. But when asked, they can give no better reason for this desire except that it would be better than going to hell. That was a gut punch. Last week I preached a sermon called, Is He Worthy? from Luke 14. And the text asked us some very penetrating questions. Questions that reveal our heart's true and unvarnished evaluation of the worth that we place on Jesus Christ. The questions were, is He worthy of forsaking convenience and comfort? Is He worthy of immediate obedience? Is He worthy of your most focused and diligent efforts? And I gave this illustration of a scale where if you put the worth of Christ on one side of the scale and then put your convenience and comfort, your immediate obedience and the things that you see are worthy of your most focused and diligent efforts, oftentimes they don't balance out. And the reason is is because we have too low of a view of Christ. The The balance seems to swing this way. In other words, that Christ isn't worthy of all of our of forsaking comfort and convenience or worthy of our immediate obedience or worthy of our most focused and diligent efforts. And I left us last week not wanting to leave us in a place where we felt bad about ourselves and bad about our Christian walk. Because I think guilt is a horrible motivator. But we can take these questions and we can use them to evaluate our heart and lead us to not guilt, but conviction. Where we say, isn't he worthy of forsaking my convenience and comfort? Isn't he worthy of my immediate obedience? Isn't he worthy of my most focused and diligent efforts? After we get finished with this series, and and, and we will have forever to look at Christ and to grow in our love for Him. But my goal for us as a church, for me, is that we will say, having looked at the second person of the Trinity, He is worthy. Now I want to tell you this, and I have to be honest with you, and honest with me. One look, at a week, one look at Christ a week on a Sunday morning will not be enough to captivate your heart and to convince you that He's worthy. One look a week won't lead you to sing with all the sincerity you possess, My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. In thee all, for Thee all the follies of sin I resign. 
Well, that's longer, longer than I intended to take. But if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is Revelation 1, verses 4 through 8. This is God's Word. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. May God bless the reading and the preaching of His Word. You may be seated. Just a quick overview of the text, and then before we dive into, uh, to get kind of a general understanding of what John is saying here, and then we'll get into some particulars Verses 4 and 5, John gives a Trinitarian greeting to the churches. Notice, there's a greeting from Him who was, who is and was, and who is to come. That's God the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before His throne. That's the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, of course, that's the Son. So we have a Trinitarian greeting from John, um, that, uh, a greeting from John to the churches that has sort of the oomph of the Trinity behind it. Then in verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is what is called a doxology. It's it's hailing or, or, or... Making the glory of Christ uh, pronounced big. And then in verse 7, Jesus announces his future coming. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him in all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And then in verse 8, Jesus declares, declares his title. I am the Alpha and Omega, who, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, why might John lead off his letter like this? Well, he's, he's, of course, this is letters to the churches. And so this whole um, book of Revelation, it's making its rounds through these seven churches. And so it's typical to give a greeting like this. But John, I believe, in this way, led off his, his, his letter to the churches to encourage and exhort these churches to see by faith That's how we have to see, to see by faith the glory of Christ's sovereignty over all things. And the way that Jesus communicates that is by telling them, and this is what we're going to focus on as we go from week to week, names of Jesus, things that Jesus are called, his titles in the Bible. And he starts out with Alpha and Omega. And you might see on the screen, I'm making a little chart here, and I hope this doesn't throw you off. I just want to try to organize some things here to help us understand. What does Jesus mean when he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega? He not only says it here, but also in chapter 21, verse 6, and in chapter 22, verse 13. Alpha and Omega, this is what Jesus says about himself. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. But he doesn't just mean the bookends. He means everything in between. First, last, everything in between, A to Z. But he also says that he was, he is, and he is to come. Now, this is the same thing that is spoken in verse 4 when speaking about the Father. Now, you might notice that I put the chart in a little bit different order. In the text, it's is, was, and is to come. I just did that so everything would line up chronologically. But all this is to say is that Jesus is eternal. He's not time-bound. We could say, and this this is going to sound weird, but I think it, it communicates what John is getting at here about the timelessness of Jesus. That he is the ising one, because these are participles. He's the ising one. He's the wasing one. 
was is an imperfect tense talking about um, the action that it describes went on in the past and never had an end. It, it's sometime in the past. So Jesus is the ising one, he's the wasing one, and he's the presently coming one. All the focus here is on continuous action by Jesus. But then also Romans eleven thirty six, you see here, from him, through him, and to him. Because in, in Romans eleven thirty six it says, for, him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. But I'm going to read you the whole passage here from 33 to 36. Paul has spent time in Romans talking about the glory of the salvation that God has worked in Jesus Christ. And he says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So this chart will help us to get sort of a general understanding of what Jesus means when he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So now we'll move more to the particular. As the Alpha, Jesus begins all things. As the Alpha, Jesus began, began all things. He's eternal. He's not bound by time. Now don't get sucked into thinking here. Because we know there's only so many letters in the alphabet, right? Is there any letter before the letter A? No. There's no letter before the letter A. So don't think that at one time Jesus had a beginning. That's what some cults believe. That in sometime in the past, Jesus had a beginning. Then he became the alpha. That's not what this says. Jesus is eternal. He is not time bound. He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says it this way. In the beginning was the word. Again, was here is the imperfect tense talking about ongoing action in the past. Something that happened in the past that never stopped happening. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So when John says who was, he is saying that Jesus existed in eternity past. He existed before the beginning. He existed in eternity past in relationship with God as God, having always existed with God in this way. And as the beginning, the, the work of redemption, I'm sorry, um, the work of creation began through Christ. He is the agent through whom God created the world. Colossians 1.16, speaking about Christ, says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. So creation began through him, but not only creation, but the work of redemption began in Jesus. Notice in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, And being made perfect... He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. See, he's the agent in creation through whom all things were created. And he's the source of eternal salvation. All things begin in Christ. Jesus began all things. He's the Alpha. But he's also the one who is. And as the one who is, Jesus accomplishes all things. Notice what it says in verse 5. To him who loves us. To him who loves us. The one who is demonstrated that love by accomplishing all things necessary for our salvation. He was commissioned by the Father to go and redeem a people for himself. He became incarnate. In verse 5 he's described as the faithful witness, the one who always declared truthfully the things of God in his incarnate body. It says in verse 5 that um, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. He became incarnate that he might die and shed his blood on the cross. And he was obedient. Philippians 2.8 And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. He's the source of our salvation. He's the faithful witness. He's the one who never once sinned. He perfectly revealed the Father in His ways. He was perfectly sinless, and He was also perfectly obedient to the Father. And He was therefore eminently qualified to be our substitute. And through His shed blood, verse 5 says, He has freed us from our sins. We have been redeemed from the bondage of the slavery of sin. It no longer has any rule over us. His blood atoned for our sin. It paid the redemption price. It justified us and it sanctified us. Jesus is also described in verse 5 as the firstborn of the dead. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. This is speaking about His resurrection. Jesus had to become incarnate and die and be resurrected that we might have salvation because His resurrection proves that salvation The work of it is complete and nothing else is needed. And then he, in saving us, verse 6 says, made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. Christ came and redeemed for himself a people, a kingdom. And that kingdom would be made up of priests who would worship and serve God. And then also Jesus accomplishes all things and his heavenly session. In other words, his ascension, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And from there, verse 5, it says that he is the ruler of kings of all. I'm sorry, the ruler of kings on earth. And it's through those kings that Christ is accomplishing his will in spite of their protests and rebellion until the time of his coming. And it is Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father who enables us to persevere to the end. This is why I believe, instead of John saying, Jesus was, is, and is to come, he starts out with is. He is your Alpha and Omega. He is the ising one, the wasing one, the presently coming one. He is the one who accomplishes all things, even persevering you through the hardest times you can possibly imagine. As the one who is, Jesus accomplishes all things. And finally, as the Omega, Jesus will be the end of all things. It says in verse 7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds. He is coming. There will be a physical, bodily return of our Savior. His feet will set down on planet earth. And verse 7 says, Every eye will see Him. There will be no escape. No one will fail to see Jesus Christ when He comes. And notice what it says, verse 7, And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Why do they wail? Because now they know that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the righteous judge, and He held out to them salvation, and they refused it. They rebelled and they kicked against the goads of his rule. And now they know he was right and they are wrong. He is just. They are condemned. And that's why they will wail because the Savior will judge with perfect righteousness. No one who does not belong in heaven will be there because the the judge will judge justly. Because of that, verse 6 says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, Jesus is not just bringing things to an end. Y'all listen to this. He's not just bringing things to an end. He is the end. Look at Colossians 1.20. Christ will reconcile all things. Look what this says. And through him to reconcile all things to himself whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He's going to balance the books. And when he balances the books, he's going to close the books. And the things that belong to him, they will come to him. And the things that do not belong to him, he will send away. And when he reconciles us to himself, he will, as Ephesians 1.10 says, unite all things in him. 
He is not only bringing it to an end, He is the end. Not only will Christ reconcile all things, He will restore all things. Revelation 21.5 says, And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, you can bank on it. Christ will reconcile all things to himself. He will restore all things. So that as his reconciled people, we will be with him forever in a restored world. Saying, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. Jesus wants us to see, and I think that's what John's goal is. Jesus wants us to see His, by faith, His glorious sovereignty over all things. But Jesus also wants us to see by faith His glorious superiority to all things. That's why John says in verse 6, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me see if I can illustrate how important this is that we see by faith, Christ's glorious superiority to all things. Now, it's no, this is no strange thing to you. I'm a fan of Aggie football. There's a few of us in here. And we have had coaches that have been okay, and then we've had some duds. And you know, they sign contracts for a certain length of time. And you think at some point, man... Can't we find someone better to run this thing? There will be no one better to sit on the throne than Jesus Christ. That is why John says, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. There will never be a point where we say, Man, I wish somebody else was running this show. Because our hearts will be fully His. We will be beholding His glory. And our hearts will just be captured by that. We won't want anyone else. Hallelujah. So bring this to a close. I'm reading a book called Portraits of Christ. I commend it to you. You can find it on Kindle. Portraits of Christ. There's some questions that he raises here regarding Jesus as Alpha and Omega that I think are instructive for us. I just want you to sit and listen to these, okay? Is Jesus Christ the Omega, the goal of your life? Do you want Him to have preeminence or superiority above all else in your life? Is His glory the aim in all your choices and plans? Is His smile what you seek in all life's activities? Is Jesus more glorified on earth because of you or less? Do you rest in the sure knowledge that the one who is is sovereign over life's uncertainties and trials? Do you rest in His sovereign purposes and plans for your life? Is Jesus your Alpha and Omega? Now I want to encourage you. Meditate on these truths in Revelation 1. Meditate on them. We understand this illustration. Cows eat grass, goes into his stomach. I'm going to show some ignorance here, but I do know that they bring it back up and they chew the cud. That's basically what meditation is. We bring the truth that we have stored in our heart back up and we chew on it. Because there's more goodness in it than what we got in the first pass. But not only do I want us to meditate on the truths of Revelation 1, I want us to let the Holy Spirit take these questions and do His convicting work in us. Not so that we can, be, so that we can more clearly understand these truths. That's crucial, but it's not ultimate. And it's not so we will be more confident in our walk with Christ. That is crucial, but it's not ultimate. It's so that we will desire to be with Him, as John Owen said, and behold His glory, saying with ever-increasing sincerity, My Jesus, I love Thee. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, 
how grateful we are to have an Alpha and Omega. The one who is, who is to us and for us right now, who was, who never had a beginning, and who is to come. Lord God, we need, I need, we need a deep look at our Savior that we might, with ever-increasing sincerity, say, my Jesus, I love thee. Lord, lead us in that way. Use the Spirit and Scripture and prayer. Use this congregation to push us into a deeper love for our Savior. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Before you stand, we're going to sing I Surrender All. Now, a lot of times this song is played over and over and over at the end of a service because we're just finally wanting to get somebody to come and, you know, come to the altar and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It can be played and, and trying to do, be emotional on people. This is not how I want us to sing this. We've taken a look at the Alpha and the Omega. Now's the time when we say to the Alpha and the Omega, I surrender all. You are worthy. I surrender all to you. So let's stand. We're going to sing all three verses. If you need to make a decision, please come at this time. Otherwise, we're going to worship the Savior together. seated for just a brief moment. I know I've run long today and I appreciate your patience. Prayer list updates, just a few things. Um, 
Roddy was going to be here this morning, but he and Roman both are sick. Uh, so pray for Roddy and Roman. I, I think they just were out in the wind last couple of days, and you know the wind's been stirring up all this stuff in the air. So they're a little under the weather, so pray for them and Barbara. Um, also, pray for Eddie May. I heard from Mary Catherine this morning, told her that we had been praying for her. Um, she said, Eddie is dealing with some pretty severe pain. I think it's back pain, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, and so he may come back early, and Mary Catherine may stay longer than uh, January 20th, but she's trying to work all that out. Sounds like things are going very well over there. Um, Gerald McKee is not doing well at all. Uh, I don't know Gerald, uh, but I know that <clears throat> um, he's important to some people in our church, um, and so he's on the prayer list. He's not doing well at all. Um, I think it's cancer, right? Okay. All right. Um, one other dimension. Um, my wife um, lost a sister this last week, stepsister, I guess, Pam Burt. Um, it's from her mom's side of the family. Her mom uh, remarried, and uh, Steph's stepdad had three kids, and so the daughter passed away this last week. So please pray for that family. Um, do you have any other updates on prayer requests or anything? Anyone? Okay. Well, let's stand and have a word of prayer. We'll say the, the uh, Great Commission together will be dismissed. Father, we are indeed grateful that you not only are the Alpha and the Omega, you are the great physician. And so we lift these people up to you, Lord. We lift up Eddie. We lift up Gerald McKee. Um, and we pray, Lord, that you would, you would heal their bodies. Lord, we also know that you're the great comforter. And so we pray for, for Pam's family, that they would find comfort in these days and they would turn to you and find the strength that you alone can give. We also pray, Lord, if it's not your will to heal Gerald McKee, that you would give to his family uh, the comfort that comes from on high, that can sustain them in this time. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers and for being with us this morning. Prayed in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.